Hello. Hi. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Level. Wow, oh, that was out of time. <laughs> but what was going on with your actual levels? <sighs> you were like singing like seven different melodies just then. What's what's up with that? <sighs> you just trying something new, you know. Okay. Well, good for you. Um, I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio and Moshi. I've invited a special guest to today's pod. Brooks is coming. <laughs> is that what it was? Today? Yes. <laughs> that was like my meme of the week. That was like <laughs> anytime Meredith is going to an event on Salt Lake City, <laughs> Brooks is coming. <laughs> that was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, <laughs> once again, for those of you who do not get this joke, it is because you are once again missing out on the fabulousness that is Chanel Ayan and the Real Housewives of Dubai. Get your shit together. Anyone still sleeping on... It, it's like, there's a list. It's like Potomac, Atlanta, Dubai, and there's something in common with all of these. If you are still not watching them, I would <laughs> like to understand why. <laughs> you know what it is? I I don't think people are necessarily sleeping on Atlanta. I think, like, Atlanta is fine. I think Atlanta, ha- I think, you know, with Atlanta, the right people are watching it and it is what it is. But for people who like, because like Atlanta is like so many seasons in that it's like way too hard to catch up. But people who are sleeping on Potomac and Dubai, you are sleeping on an opportunity to like cash in on things before they like super, super blow up. I mean, Potomac has super, super blown. I was about to say, I'm like already for Potomac that perhaps it's too late, but anyway. Yeah. Well, this week we are talking all things Real Housewives of Atlanta, season 12, episode 14, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, season 12, episode 13, and Real Housewives of Dubai, season one, episode eight. But before we get into that, Patrizio, you know what I'm going to say. What's the word on the straight? I was going to say Brooks is coming. (laughs) (laughs) no what's the word on the street so we found out that this week they've filmed the real housewives of cheshire season 15 reunion the way that there are no episodes (laughs) no announcements no no social media presence but they've already filmed the reunion is this a franchise in crisis i want to know what's up with that like i don't know if it's so much about a franchise in crisis cheshire has its people but like where are the episodes it has been like so if you if you do not follow cheshire for whatever reason they are prolific. That like I said, season fifteen, but it has only been out for like five years because yeah. they churn out the seasons, right? Because they're only like usually like ten, ten episode seasons or whatever they are, plus a reunion. Um, so, it, but it has been a very long time since they've aired a season. Like yeah. by this point, there would have already been one this year. Yeah. A lot of the UK reality shows, they'll do like two seasons, but they're split. So you're absolutely right. It's like two 12 episodes, including a reunion situation. One thing that I had was that we've seen, 
we've seen a lot of stuff happen on social media. So a lot of like stuff will happen on the show. And we've seen this like really big trend recently with Housewives in particular of so much stuff happening on Twitter and on Instagram that like murks up the context of the stories and changes things. So one thing that one thought that I had was that they're trying to eliminate the possibility of that. So like, but so that there's there's nothing new that the women can bring up at the reunion. Like they'll just be sticking to the facts of the show. I will say the other thought that I had was that perhaps they want to start filming the new season ASAP, right? Because of this thing of like, usually they have multiple seasons a year. So perhaps they just really needed to round this out so they can get them onto filming so that there can be a fast turnaround. Um, But I always find that the Cheshire reunions are such like that you get edged because it's only ever one episode. There's (laughs) never, they never, it's not in the time to actually get into the, like, the issues. And so it's always like, like, what's that other thing? Like a wet blanket. It's kind of like. And I would say anticlimactic, but you getting edged by a reunion. Well, that's the thing. You're kind of edging me and then you don't give me the (laughs) the final blow. Wow. Okay, this is once again an exquisite uh, <laughs> R-rated episode. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm hoping that we get a an announcement soon. But, like, will it be the same without Tanya? Like, probably not. Well, you were worried of whether or not it would be the same without Wardy, and it was fine. I will say that I think Cheshire is coming to its end. They They could do with, like, a whole new revamped bunch of ladies. Do you know that Real Housewives of Jersey was cancelled? Who was watching it? Just me. I was like the only person watching well, it. That's why I wanted to check in with you and just like <laughs> uh, I'll be okay. <laughs> well, in other in other word on the street, um in Beverly Hills this week we found out that Sheree Zampino is being um uh, investigated for the Allegedly. Well, is it alleged that she's been investigated? Because we haven't seen it reported on enough sites. So, well, because she she sells the 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 designer dupes. Yeah, I was going to say the the accessible accessible bags that kind of are inspired by. But this is the thing with fashion. I feel that like there's no copyright on fashion, right? So you know that's how all the dupes get get sold because you can't really go after people for this sort of thing. And I don't think she's trying to sell bags that are, you know, imitations. No, that's exactly what she's doing. You <laughs> just, no, no, they, they're an imitation because it's like a copycat design of an original design. Like that's the imitation. But the difference is she's not trying to pass them off as a fake version of Louis Vuitton or Dior. She just calls them le- like in fashion inspired leather bag. They always have like the AliExpress label. But I think the other thing is that she buys them for like two dollars each and still sells them for like five hundred dollars each. And you know what? In this economy, good for her. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have any issues because once again, she's not trying to pass them off as being the real thing. That's why I think 
it's an alleged situation. Well, and that's the thing. There are other housewives that have allegedly done a lot worse. Well, we know for a fact. We've got one who's just admitted to um, wire fraud. (laughs) Were you there for that? We've had one that was sent to jail for fraud. Um, I'm talking about the other boutiques that sell the questionable items that have since been removed from said boutiques. Who? In New Jersey. Why don't? Why am I forgetting this storyline? Oh, envy. I mean, it's because of nothing that Melissa. You not know, allegedly. Anyway, the point she is, she doesn't register. Um, <laughs> but what I thought you were going to say is that. At least we know there are housewives who wear fake bags, Ramona Singer. I mean, most of the housewives. (laughs) Except not Crystal. Um, No, she just gets them from Nordstrom Rack. She's not getting Hermes from Nordstrom Rack. She was talking about her clothes. Okay, honey. Um, Well, in some of the biggest word of the street this week, we found out that Taylor Armstrong has been confirmed as a friend of the Real Housewives of Orange County for season 17, which there was some confusion originally because it got announced that she's joining the show and everyone was like, oh, my God, first housewife to jump to a different franchise. And then it came out like four hours later being like, oh, just to clarify, friend of. Yeah, but she's still the but she's still like she's credited. So she's still the first housewife to officially have a role because we have seen other housewives on other franchises. My favorite one is Marisol on Beverly Hills. Iconic. Iconic just in the background. Um but yeah. You I think we all know if you were following our Instagram, you would have seen the repeated like Vicky reaction memes. That was all me because my instant when I read this, I wasn't like, yay, Taylor. I was like, oh my God, Vicky. Somebody check on Vicky. Is she, did she die sad? (laughs) I mean, what what was your what was your reaction to this news? I I literally think somebody's out to get Vicky. I think it's just people being mean because I'm sorry, Taylor does not bring any value. Without Brandy, what has she got? When when it was announced that she was joining as a housewife, I was like, huh. I'm like, what the hell is she gonna give to the show? And then when four hours later, like friend off, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Like I can't see her being a full-time housewife. Like, sure, like, there's probably stuff that we would love to see, like, you know, because her whole life is so different now, right, compared to what it was when she was on Beverly Hills. But I feel like we got that out of the way in Ultimate Girls Trip that I really don't ever need to see her on the TV ever again. Yeah, but I think we also never really got a chance to see her, like, with older Kennedy, like, as a mum. We've never gotten a chance to see her in a normal relationship. Yeah, like but, we have, uh, we've never got, we've never gotten to see Taylor when she's not being abused. Like that, I hate well, to say it, that's like really compelling. Like this is the this is the version of herself that she should have always been, or that she would have wanted to always be. So I guess it's nice, but at the same time, I'm just like, okay. 
and the, then Vicky. Sorry, I never cared about Vicky. So well, much. think about this then. That also the rumor is that Alexis Bellino is in the contract negotiations right now. Best decision they could ever make. Well, what do you think Vicky's going to think about that then? Oh, I don't care then, because because only because. So my thing is like. How are you going to put a wet blanket on the show and not put Vicky? Do you know what I mean? But if you're going to put Alexis Bellino in the mix, then I'm here for it because you know what that's going to disrupt? The Gina and Emily friendship. Because Alexis is actually friends with Emily. Yes. And once again, you know, is is Gina out of her depth? Is it just going to be her and Heather? Are they going to be the, the New York New York gals? I'm interested to see what the factions are going to end up as. I just I want fights. I want drama. Well, let's talk about this drama, Moshi. Oh. We have been through it on the stories this week. There has been intense. You have been through it. You there has been yourself. intense discussion behind the scenes between us. Uh, <laughs> it came out this week that on the Ultimate Girls Trip Three, that my 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 conspiracy theory last week was proven correct, <laughs> and we found out that Leah had thrown elephant dung at one of her fellow cast members, which resulted in her being immediately deported from Thailand. <laughs> And we put up the poll and we found out that she must have thrown the poop at Marisol or Whitney, which were both excellent choices for everyone that voted. I voted for both of them. And I voted for Whitney Rose. And (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately, Leah came out on the Instagrams and said that it was... Unfortunately? Why is it unfortunate? Because if this actually happened... It, I hate to say it, but Leah, it would have been iconic. Oh my god, it's the stupidest thing ever. It's so good. I, I really will fight you on this. The way you texted me initially, like so excited at the prospect that Leah was throwing elephant poop at people, and that's why she got deported. And I immediately shut you down. I was like, "This is bullshit. It is not true." And I was proven right. She would not get deported for throwing elephant Well, no, I don't know. I feel like in places like no. East Asia that if you are extremely, you know, rude and, you know, belligerent that you will end up in jail at least at the minimum. So that's what I mean. If in Thailand they put you in jail, they don't jail and then deport that's them. That's why I'm saying like, no, no, people still just stay in the, da- in the jails. Um, but I was just like. No, there's no way she would have been. It, it would have depended who she hit with the, the poo. But this is, like, so absurd, <laughs> this, this whole story. I, honestly, I so needed bad. it to be true. I and know you did. It. And I hope it, you know what I hope? I hope that there is a housewife that's yet to be cast that has read this this week and been like, that's what I'm going to do to get my second season. So I just want to point out, <laughs> We, you know, we have housewives who literally shit themselves and like <laughs> shit like and, and you know what? I want more poo. <laughs> I need them to shit themselves and then throw it at a car's member. Okay. Because okay. it's just to me, it was just, it was, 
it wasn't so much the dung. It was just the fact that she got deported over it. Like, it's just, it's... That's that's why I was like, it's bullshit. Anyway, Moshi, that's the word on the street. So let's get into this week's episode of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's episode 14, season 12. And I feel like this was a great episode. I think it was a phenomenal episode because it left me wanting more. Yeah, where where the last couple of weeks have been a little lackluster, uh, it's kind of like everyone got over themselves and we actually got like a good episode. Yeah, I think we got a good episode because do you know what it is? So I think we're going to see this a little bit on Beverly Hills and we're seeing it also on Atlanta is that we're in the second half of the season so we're getting fresh storylines again or like fresh feuds or like the things that we've been waiting for. So we know that a cast, so for instance, like we know a cast trip is coming. So there's like, this is what edging is, Patrizio. <laughs> we know the cast trip is coming. And then probably like the biggest edging event of all time, the launch of She by Sheree is coming. And they are building that momentum. They're giving us the little bits. and so you know, it's thrusting us forward and getting us excited. Ooh, thrusting. Excited. Just for you. But this week in She by Sheree news, we now have a designer on board. We have Cairo potentially. I mean, he will be modeling, and I think we all want Cairo to model. Um, And we have the fabrics being purchased. And you just knew those girls in the fabric store they want to be part of She by Sheree's success. This is the thing about She by Sheree. Everybody knows about it and everybody wants to be able to say, I helped make She by Sheree happen. Are you saying that you want to see Cairo modeling because the She by Sheree is going to have the VPL? <laughs> I don't know what a VPL is in this context. I know it when they talk about a visible panty line. Can you explain to me, Patrizia, what what they mean by VPL. It's it's the visible PP line. I knew that. I just wanted you to say it. <laughs> I mean, you know what? The way that Sheree wants her own son to have it. Having VPL on her men's She by Sheree line. It's be on the grey sweats. It is, honestly, like, I, I mean, I have said this already too many times for it to ever, even mean anything at this point, but it's icon behaviour. It's iconic. But it's, she's doing it for the gays. I, I will be purchasing She Buys Right after I found out in this episode if you get the VPL. I knew you would. I 100% knew you'd be the first one to order it. You know what, though? I just know that it's going to be a scam. Like, I don't know how she's going to do it. saying that. We need to speak this into existence and be positive. I I have, I feel good about She by Shireen. I think it'll be great. Will it give anyone a VPL, though? I'm I'm to be convinced. Okay. So you want to just be convinced about the VPL. That's all I know. That's all I care about. That's the scam that I think is going to happen. Yeah, that's the of success. It's it's like I don't know I don't know like a, a bra that tells you you're gonna look your tits are gonna be twelve times bigger like I just don't believe that perhaps a little bit but not that big. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when when I say as well that we're in the second phase and we're getting like the new fresh storylines, we're also starting to understand other people's relevancy, and I think this is important on franchises that have a lot of housewives. 
Now, you know, I have been saying that Candy has been giving us nothing for two seasons. Okay, the pandemic happened. I can blame that. But really, up until now, she was giving nothing. But she got like a whole bunch of sections and scenes and segments in this episode. We get Ace's birthday, which I think was like really telling of the new divisions amongst the girls, would you say? I want to say that I was like, the hell, he's turning six? Uh, When did that happen? It seems like only yesterday he came out of candy and she was holding over the toilet and teaching and doing toilet training while he was a week old. Literally. Because the pandemic happened, so we, we missed, like, proper two years of ace time. Her daughter must be, like, ready to graduate high school at this point, like... Which daughter? You know Riley's in college, though, the other one. I meant the other one. <laughs> the youngest one. Yes. She's younger than Ace. Blaze, that's her name. Ace and Blaze. Jesus Christ, Candy. Candy should not be allowed to name children. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Who stole her baby's name, though? It was, oh, it was Kim Zolziak. <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another podcast. Cash. That was it. Oh. Once again... Candy should not be allowed to <laughs> children. Um, I mean, yes. But, like, also what? Marlo, Marlo's, what's she going to do at Ace's sixth birthday? She's got no kid to bring to that. Okay. She, she abandoned them. That's beside the point because we know that, I know, we know, so I guess there's two things, is that Ace is going to have another birthday party and this was, like, the birthday party for the show. But I know that she did only invite the women that had small children. Sanya has a small son and Sanya wasn't invited, right? So to me, it was really she just wanted to, there's a new faction. She wanted to get the girls together. And one of the things that really shocked me is that Candy was really impressed by um, Drew bringing the bone for for two. <laughs> like I think Candy went up a level and was is like, Team Drew now because of that situation. I, I mean, Moshi, my two choices today when I introduced myself was either going to be Brooks is coming or I was just going to start barking at you because honestly, <laughs> again, Drew, for as crap a housewife as she has been, that feud with Fatoum, it's honestly like we're going to be talking about it for a while between the barking and the bone. Just like why? But to me, Fatoum is what made it relevant. And the second part of it is the reason why I don't really rate Drew with the bone and the barking is because Drew had that bone in all of her bags. Do you know what I mean? She was waiting. It was like it was like a prepared read. We don't that's not what we want. I don't care. I love stupid shit like that. It was was stupid with like a double O. Yeah, and you know that I love stupid, Which, but my favourite thing is the dog bark. The barking is what I like more than the bone. If she she had just barked, like one day I want someone to piss me off so much that I just start barking at them. Like that's that's a goal of unhinged. That's a level of unhinged that I want to get to. But I think we did sort of see a bit of a division and then we obviously see Sanya kind of when she calls Candy, um, not calls Candy, calls Kenya and is passive aggressive and is trying to get her scenes in um, and, in you know, talking about the Jamaica trip. 
even more divide. I, you know, I am not a Kenya Moore fan. I say this, but I'm with Kenya. I can understand why she's getting annoyed at these people who are all trying to, they're, they're all trying to like get scenes off, off of Kenya. Do you know what I mean? I think it was offensive that Sanya even thinks that Kenya's got a friend to bring. <laughs> okay, Marlo Hampton. <laughs> Kenya will always find someone to bring. Who? I don't know. She's got people. She'll find someone. Where? <laughs> we don't know. But, if, but she will. If she has to, she will bring someone. But I think the thing is that here's my thing about housewives, especially if you're the new housewife, you don't get to plan a couple's trip. Housewives is not about couples. This is not New Jersey. Housewives is about the women. Your trips should be about the women. The men should just be an afterthought. And to me, I'm like, Sonia, you're doing too much. Uh, I don't know. Look, Sonia. Should we talk about Sonia? I think it's, I think she's had a lot of unfair criticism. I think we're trying, I think we're putting these new housewives in this position where if they don't deliver 110% in the first season, then they get, you know, brought down. She's actually doing enough for me. No. So that my issue is not so much that. I think if she was just not trying as hard, she would be fine. But my thing is that I think she's doing not too much, but just trying too hard. Um. And I know, I think you're right though, like you need to give people, you know, a couple of seasons or whatever to get to that level. But my thing is like, we saw her trying to make something happen with Drew out of nothing. I feel like she's trying to do the same sort of thing with Kenya here. And let's just jump to it. She is also throwing Sheree the surprise birthday party in this episode, right? I think we already know that Drew is not a Sanya fan because we find out very clearly, and I really thought this would be the thing that you loved because I know how much you love when housewives don't actually live in the city that they're meant to be part of. So we learn that Sanya does not live in Atlanta at all. I mean, look, I always find this really interesting about American cities because what we would consider Atlanta to somebody else would not be in the US. You know what I mean? Like, I I just think of the one time I was in San Francisco and I told someone, they were like, what did you do in San Francisco today? I was like, I went to Berkeley. And they were like, that's not San Francisco. And I'm like, but it's it's like a 10 minute drive. No, but that's Berkeley. But in Melbourne, in Sydney, a 10 minute drive, you'd still say it's that city. I just feel like my, my perceptions on cities are different here. Anyway, the point is, yes, I loved it. <laughs> I loved how they're all like, I needed to pack a dinner to get here. <laughs> I was just like, okay, so that's shade number one. Shade number two was that Sanya perhaps didn't deliver the level of parte that the girls were expecting. And I actually was like, if the, you know, they're not all mega millionaires or whatever. But when they do throw a party, it usually is a bit more sophisticated. Uh, But, like, I feel it was pretty casual. But even for that, she did not deliver. That's what I mean. 
So then my question to you is we're halfway through the season or potentially three quarters of the way through the season. Is Sonia a little bit out of her depth? I just feel like she has not found her groove fully with this group of women. I think she would have made a better friend of. Um, Did she deserve the peach? You know what? Why not? I, I'm I'm willing to give Sanya the benefit of the doubt here. I'm willing to give her the peach rather than the friend of. Um, I I think yeah, she's probably out of her depth a little bit, but you know she, she's got to learn. She's got to. She thinks she's at that level, but she's not. She's got to lift her game. But she can do that next season. All right. So you're going to give her another season. Now the other thing that I was like really impressed with and shocked by, Drew can really sing. Like I know we've seen her sort of sing, but she really sang. Would you like that sort of rendition for your birthday? Um, no, because I think there was a little bit of like it was a little bit pernicious. Her back. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it was a, it was like she was singing, but she was like it was a little too much, given that she hates a charade. Okay, so let's talk about this. So, do we think that Drew actually hates charade, or do we think that Drew just likes to have to have drama with some? Well, no, I think the issue here is that Drew hates Fatoum, and Fatoum is charade's friend, and so that Drew has the conspiracy theory that. <laughs> is bringing Fatuma around just to cause trouble, right? I think that's not a conspiracy theory. I think we know that that's true. But I think the thing is, that's also par for the course. So this is my thing about these girls. You come on a show that's been around for 12 years. You come on because you know what it's known for. This is how drama works. Like, you're supposed to fight fire with fire. If you think that someone is bringing a friend a friend around to cause drama. Do you know what you do? You bring your friend around and have them cause drama. Like it is tit for tat, girl. But we're Drew's friends. And there is the mess. Well, Sanya was meant to be her friend. Once again, no. Even though Drew did pick her up when she was in a freaking car accident that totaled her car. Like that was beautiful. But, yeah. Drew, she doesn't get it. But I also just think, like, coming for Sheree's age was not the look because if there's anyone who looks good for their age, which is not 60, by the way. I love that. When Marlo was like, she looks great for 60. Marlo. (laughs) Marlo. Oh, my goodness gracious me. But, um, yeah, I just think that Sheree is not the one because we know that Sheree is, like, she's not a she's not Kenya Shade assassin, but she can give, like, who going to check me, boo? Like, you do not come for who going to check me, boo. You know what I mean? I, having said all that, though, I'm actually not mad at having Drew on the show. I want it gone. I just can't stand her. She gives me brat. She's just too much. You know who she reminds me of? She's like the black Kyle. Like I can't, I mean, and I know, I know that Gus Gussell. Gussell. <laughs> so you think Drew is Gussell. That's all I'm <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing that I really wanted to talk about is what we were sort of touching on before, which was really getting into Handy's storyline and story development. 
I think the thing is like Candy's storyline is always going to be Candy and Todd's empire. Like that is all, everything is always going to be about like their money and their legacy and whatever they're doing next. But I thought it was really interesting to learn that Thoughts of a Coloured Man got shut down on Broadway. And I don't know about you, but like we heard, you know, the candy voice wobble that come. It's like I, I, uh, iconic, some would say. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm the wobble. I'm like, okay, yes, I know. You yes, guys. you know exactly. We know that when, when that comes, we're going to get something from candy. And I thought that that was really powerful moment where she spoke about, I guess, fa- what failure means for her um, because it's really not something we've had a chance to really see Candy go through because she's really just sort of been successful, successful, successful. But to see, And this is a failure, like something that's completely out of her control. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Like, you know, seeing Candy talk us through that whole moment. Yeah, I mean, it was a different side to Candy, which I agree. We don't really get to see a lot of. It was good to see her talking about it, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like still with Candy, I'm just not convinced at this point. So even when her and Todd were having that conversation, when and she was saying, you know, I've fallen, and like she's come off this big moment where she's had this like pretty monumentous failure, and she's feeling vulnerable, and she's sort of saying like, I have another opportunity to do another show. But, you know, one's already failed. Like, why would I do this again? I really liked that camaraderie between her and Todd. And I think she said it then, like, because up until that point, I don't know about you, but I'm always like, why are they together? Like, I just feel like she doesn't really like it sometimes. Well, I was going to say, I feel like though we've also been fed that as viewers, that this whole season up until this point, it's kind of been like, Todd's up to like some sketchy business and why has he got this apartment in New Jersey and like why is he doing that and like you know that that their their storyline always seems to be in the last two or three seasons like are they on the rocks you know like yeah and so then they, they're obviously they have this moment yeah like ah I'm done with it Goodbye. so brief, so because I I was the one that was saying originally that I feel like their marriage woes are contrived for the show. Yeah. Completely. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same level about that. But it was nice, though, to to see Todd kind of back her up and just sort of say, like, but that's all, that's okay. That's all right. Keep, you can keep failing. At least you get a chance to, like, have these opportunities and um, be her cheerleader. And I think even that, like, the husbands on Atlanta don't have a very good track record, I thought that was nice to see. Yeah, and then but then you've also got that moment where he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, like I, I would like treat all the children equally when it came to the money, and I would I would give them money the same way you do, Candy. And I was like, no, oh, you wouldn't. The delusion. Let's let's just be honest. If Candy dies first, Todd is getting a portion of Candy's money. <laughs> it's not. He's definitely not like getting the majority. You know. I- I found that more interesting, to be honest, because it is a very, like, you know, they've, they've got a very interesting family unit, right? Because there's, like, obviously the two of them, you've got the two eldest daughters are 
you know, just stepchildren to the other parent. But there's also a difference, which is that Riley and Candy, like they grew up together. Yes, where I, Todd and his daughter did not. Did not. She's, she's new. Her, she's new, but you know why she's new? Because of Candy. Like, and I mean that in the sense that Candy was like, I'm going to need for you to have a better relationship with your daughter. Like Candy has made Todd a better man. And that was one of the best hot takes that we read of this week. That was like, you just know that Candy is sending her money on the side because Todd isn't. <laughs> like, Not just that. It's because Candy that recognises that she is one of her children. Like Candy does not have a distinction between step, half. She's just like, like even when she talks to Todd, she says, I, can you believe we have four kids? Yeah. We, yeah, which is great. And then, yeah, obviously, and then they've got two kids that they've had together too. But their kids as well are right, very different. They're generationally well, they're generationally different, right? different. It's like those two and those two, yeah. Because, yeah, how Riley grew up and how now Ace and Blaze are growing up are in two levels of wealth. It's not even just that. Well, but but Riley never went without, though, because Candy Candy was famous the whole time. That she had Riley, like Candy. Oh, was- she's more wealthy today. Oh, hundred percent. But but she always like she had no scrubs money. Like she was always doing fine. Oh, totally. But she's doing even. Better oh, she's now. doing even better now because Candy Factory is like the shit. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. That is a more compelling piece of the story, I think. I just think it's interesting because I don't think, I think one, it's great because you get to see black wealth discussions around, you know. Generational wealth. Generational wealth, estate planning. Like I feel like you don't get that generally, but to see that from a black couple, I think is fantastic. Yes, Patrizia, I love that. You know, I think that was really great. Um, And then the the other side of it then is you've got Marlo who's like, kids. Okay, and thank you. Let's talk about the shit show that is now Marlo. The way I am like, Marlo, Patrice Hampton, get your shit together. She And she is, though. I will give her Just go to therapy once doesn't mean you're getting your life together. Well, she's bringing the kids next time. Marshi, I'm giving Marlo grace in this moment. The way she is treating her sister, who she has dumped the like kids. Like a babysitter, yeah. And the issue, and this is the thing. Marlo thinks that she can treat people a certain way because she gives them money, because she pays for, you know, she helps with their life. And that's not it. She, I'm glad that she is seeking help, though, because I have said she needs therapy. She needs, she needs to go inward and realise how triggering and horrible she is to other people. Well, I, I don't think that's going to take, uh, that's going to, sorry, I don't think that's, that I think that will take a long time for her to yeah, hundred percent to undo you know sixty years <laughs> not sixty <laughs> but you know i I mean, look, she made a decision in her life that she didn't want to have children because of the fact that she didn't want to pass her generational trauma onto you know her kids, and then she's been put in this situation, well, she hasn't been put in she's chosen to take the kids on. So, I mean, look, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I understood what the therapist was saying. It's sort of like, 
look, it's good that you did this because, like, who knows how bad it could have gotten if you didn't. I agree. But you need to make sure that the kids understand that they're not abandoned in that moment. And that's the trickiest part, right? How do you, like, how do you impress upon these boys that, like, you weren't dumped, you weren't abandoned, you didn't just go through the exact same thing that's happened to you before? Um, I mean... Good luck to the boys. Yeah, good luck to the boys. Well, on that note, good luck to us. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking all things Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and, of course, Real Housewives of Dubai. We're back from the break, Moshi. Hello. And we're going to talk Beverly Hills. It's episode 13 of this season 12. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> okay, so what I will say, I'll kick things off if you like. I spoke a little bit before about um, the second phase, the second half of a season it with Atlanta, and we are very much in that same mode with the women of Beverly Hills. I feel like, you know, the crazy, crazy feuds that were happening, like the Diana Jenkins feuds and all of that sort of shit with Sutton has died down. Sutton is now getting into new feuds with other people because that's what happens. Um, But uh, the other big thing that happened, I think, in this half is Lisa Rinna has entered the chat. I just, I just feel like we're getting a whole lot of nothing in this season. And I don't think the COVID is helping either because, but you're like, we haven't got the Diana feud happening anymore. And I'm like, yes, because she's been in isolation. (laughs) And then when she wasn't in isolation, sudden was. So they actually haven't had an opportunity to be in the same room to have a feud in a while. So you know what we can say? They didn't need a mediator. They needed COVID. puts things in perspective. Kyle now has COVID. This is like the fifth time Kyle has had COVID. <laughs> I, I forget. I forget that that period of time, uh, January 2022, literally it was times. everyone was out with COVID. Um, so, and it's like, I think I've said it before. It's interesting just to see how they've like, they've just had to make a decision that like, we can't keep stopping filming every time somebody is sick. You're just going to have to do the FaceTimes. But, yes, Lisa Rinna has entered the chat um, after sort of spending the first half of this season being very, like, not involved. But I will say that I she's entered the chat, but it's on the same old bullshit like we've all moved on from. And even she had moved on from, but she hasn't moved on. And it's just... Uh, Get rid of Melissa Rinna. Lisa Rinna needs to go. I'm done. Okay. Well, you know, she does have Rinna wine, which weirdly I'd totally forgotten that that when they went to Provence, that was because she was making a wine. Rinna um, Rosé. Now, um, is now like three years later and the rosé is available. But it's, it's going to be rosés, it's going to be chardonnays. And was I right in thinking she's also looking to make a tequila? No, so I think that the point was that you can use the wine in cocktails. Oh, nice. 
It was like a tequila and wine margarita or something. Yeah. Look, as somebody who really likes tequila and somebody who really likes wine, wine is not for mixing in cocktails with tequila. That That's going to be interesting. But, we'll like, where is the Rina wine? wine? It's, it's available. She's got the Instagram. She's already done all the promo. It's coming. It doesn't take much to make wine. As long as the grapes are there, they'll be fine. Um, do you know what's really nice? Another one of Sutton's children has turned 18, so we get to see them on screen. Two down or one more to go. We met her son. Why did I think the son, his thing said 13? No, it said 18. I actually, I was like, so here's what I did. I went back and checked because it also showed that her daughter was 19 and I was like, is her son 19 as well? How did you have two kids in the same year? That's possible, by the way. The way, yeah, I mean, Irish twins, but the way that I thought he was 13. No, no, no. But this makes a lot more sense now because the way that they were talking about the things that he was planning on doing. Like going to the army and working. And flying out of an aeroplane. The it way, the way your brain w- was still just like allowing it to happen for a 13-year-old. What is wrong with you? Like truly. You know what I also loved? Just on just on, you know, misreading the the what do you call them? The things that come up at the bottom. Chirones. The one that the dog, it was like her dog slash landscaper. Yeah, that was really good because he's up the grass. Yeah. I, I got that one right. You know what? It's like that's that's what counts as like fun shade on Beverly Hills. <laughs> that would be like a blip on any of the other franchises. The way that someone in production was like, mm, going to be a bit spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that the dog is a landscaper. <laughs> Not sudden writing a very strongly worded email to production about that <laughs> later on. Um, the thing that I love is that Sutton's dogs got like a real southern name what's his name again I was going to say Helion but it's not Helion yeah it's like Hiram or Heron or something Waylon it's Waylon and that is like a name for like an old man (laughs) you know what I mean and there's this just like this beautiful little Labrador her poor assistant is chasing after it and she's just like, Waylon, 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 stop that. I mean, talk about the onion. I didn't even know Sutton had pets. <laughs> you just thought it was one of Kyle's dogs had run away. and was okay. like- Just on Kyle and her dogs. Why has she adopted another one? <laughs> because Kyle has no more kids. Please stop immediately. I hope she adopted it. From Vanderpump Dogs, that's all I'm going to say. You think Lisa Vanderpump is going to let Kyle adopt a dog from her? I don't think so. It would be the right thing to do. You um, know, um, I just also want to say about Sutton. Sutton is so triggered by her fridge. Every time they film in her kitchen, it doesn't matter what the context of the filming is, until her new fridge comes, she's going to let us know. I mean... <sighs> That is that is Nene Leakes' legacy. What Nene Leakes has done to white goods has made people feel inferior about their white goods. It's 
it's a large gap <laughs> that is not being filled. But it's it's not like we, you, you know the thing is it's not like she. Well, I guess she does cook a chicken salad. But you um, know what we need though, we need like when the future finally arrives we need like a party a welcoming party. oh you know the fridge is getting its own episode the <laughs> fridge is the she by sheree of beverly hills like it's a whole thing <sighs> and the thing i saw on the internet i really liked as well today was kim richards walked so Sutton could run with the chicken salad <laughs> image of like Kim Richards holding up that giant bowl of the salad and still stirring it while she was walking while her daughter's just trying to get dressed. Oh. Do, do you think the bowl was large or was it Kim Richards? <laughs> <laughs> a bit of both, a bit from column A, a bit from column B. But it's so funny because now that you've said that, I kind of feel in a little way that Sutton does kind of fill a bit of a gap that Kim Richards left. And I think that's perhaps partly why Kyle gets along with her so much. I think maybe there is bits of Sutton that remind her of um, of Kim Richards. I think when you come to a, to a show like Beverly Hills, which does have this, you know, like... Eccentric like a, a it's very wealth oriented right and i think there are two types of housewives that you want to see you want to see the ones that are living living it up right the dianas the dorates bringing the fashion bringing the beautiful home living it up she is living it as much as her credit card limit will allow her to okay but you you've got that it's the aspirational but then you also need to have the kooky rich ladies, right? <laughs> and it's the Kathy Hiltons, it's the Sudden Stracks, the ones that are like, they're rich, but they're crazy. Is it wrong that I find that more aspirational? But that, and I think that would be the thing. You, though, this is the problem. You couldn't have a cast of just the crazy ones because they would like. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine six sons of a cast? Like there would be like it would just be <laughs> that would be that's basically New York is like, what you described though. <laughs> well more or less New York, New York is like four Suttons and you know whoever else. Because we just need this is what we need. We need like Sutton Strike, Kim Richards, Kathy Hilton. Camille Grammer, I'm going to put her in there too. Brandy Glanville. Brandy Glanville. Like, it's chaos. And on that, I just want to say that justice for Camille Grammer, because I really think that she should have been sent with Brandy on Ultimate Girls Trip. I agree. I will say, now that I think about comparisons, just thinking about Alexis Bellino, I feel like Alexis Bellino is the Camille Grammer of... <laughs> Orange County. <laughs> I think that's a very reasonable hot take. It's great. But yeah, no, that yeah. So this is we we just need these two types of women on the show. You're either rich and flaunting it, or you're flaunting wealth that perhaps you can't even afford. And you've got to be like eccentric. Yeah. What was the flashback that we got on this episode of Kim 
when they were in Amsterdam calling out Lisa Rinna, what was it on? Oh, eating the bread. You're because Sadden asked Rinna, do you eat bread? And Lisa yeah. Rinna was like, well, I've been told to eat bread before. So once again, Sutton, Kim Richards. The parallels are there. Um, Can I give you, oh, well, sorry, I cut you off. No, what are you going to give me, a hot take? I was going to give you another hot take that I saw in this episode. <laughs> Just play along. I feel like Pretty Mess Empire, <laughs> whatever it's trying to be, is a poor man's version of the candy factory. Mikey Minden is a poor man's Don Juan. And and not and not because well Mikey isn't poor, but Erica Jane is, apparently. Um and I just I just, you know, I was like feeling that the moment they were sitting at the table and they were talking about that coffee and like Erica had like her people. I was like, that girl is like her Carmen. And then that other guy is like, I don't know, another one of Candy's extras, Todd, not Candy's extras. Oh, Todd. <laughs> and, and then the moment she started talking about being a dom- dominatrix and opening up the pretty mess dungeon, I was like, Candy needs to sue. Candy needs to sue. But the difference between Candy and the Pretty Mess is that she had to say, oh, I should trademark that. Candy would have thunk it and it would have been trademarked. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't even know why she's bothering to start any businesses when they're just going to come for everything anyway. But I, you know what, the only thought I had on this, because, yeah, I you mean, look, the parallels, they're both from Georgia. They both now want a dungeon. Like both from Georgia. That's not the parallel here. Okay. Here's a parallel though. Earlier this week, I was at home thinking to myself, "Oh shit, I should become a dominatrix." <laughs> you? I shit you not. And then it was on the TVs, and I was like, "Wow, what a week for being a dominatrix." Can I just say something? If you say it was on the TVs. You should not be a dominatrix. <laughs> I have ruined your dreams. For the older gentleman, as Erica Girardi is also looking to okay. see the market. So one thing that I thought was interesting is that I think she does understand her market. That I believe. But, you know, when she was talking about, like, how she was, like, having sexual relations with, like, a gentleman. With that man. And, and well... I think I was like the whole time when she was saying that, I was like, is she talking about Ami Hama? Because you remember like when they were oh neighbors and we know that he has interest, he has fetishes. Um, and you know, and so I was like, I wonder if she's talking about Ami Hama. Well, I didn't see a chunk missing out of her, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he old enough for her? I don't think so. Chunk missing out of her. Ani Ani Ha Hama is Ani Hama. 
35. Not old enough, Moshi. Definitely not. Yeah, but she has said she still would have banged him. She was just, I don't necessarily know that, like, I know she says that there is one guy that she's banging, but I suspect that when she was talking about the dominatrix, I think she's talking about Ami Hama. I don't know. Uh, I don't don't know if she's banging anyone, but anyway. But I thought it was good that at least she does understand her market. She knows where... She could do well. But once again, though, she, this bitch is flashing her wealth. She had on a her Cartier ring and you could tell that, like, she doesn't want people, like, when when um, Harry Hamlin was like, ooh, what is this? And she, like, was like, please, please, I need to pull away. I can't have them focusing on my jewels because they'll take it. I mean, she should enjoy wearing that ring because they're going to take it soon enough. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, she just needs to be careful, but um, it is what it is. One other thing, oh, there was a couple of other things that I thought were pretty fascinating. But one thing, and th- these all sort of centre around Garcel. Um, so it was really cute to see Gar- Garcel and Dorito kikiing. It brought me back to Garcel's first season when they had become, like, quite close. And I always think that Garcelle in particular brings out a side of Dorito that is just like the normal girl from Connecticut. So I have a different opinion and I don't think Dorito, it's got anything to do with Garcelle. I think this episode was return to form for Dorito. Because she was a hot mess in her earlier seasons. She would mention it all. And oh, yes. that's what she's back to doing. She's sort of been like laying low. She's kind of been relying on the headlines, but she's back to being in the mess. And I appreciated that. I did like the mess that she brought to the table. But one of the things that I think Dorito has learned to do is she's only bringing the mess when somebody else has already opened the door. Having said that, though, I don't like that she brought up crystal's eating disorder i agree beyond what crystal had discussed on camera and especially given that crystal was not there at the rina rose lunch uh, i just was like and erica just doesn't understand boundaries either and i feel like dorito was giving erica a license to run with it too and i was disappointed that sudden understood what was going on but didn't kind of like she was sort of, she did the right thing by not getting involved, but then she didn't do the right thing by stepping in and sort of saying, hey, I think we should probably drop this conversation because Chris was not here. But I think the reason that Sutton didn't jump in is because Sutton is hyper aware that they are going to jump on top of her for any little thing that she does. This was also off the back of this whole discussion around Garcelle, I don't, I, I believe this happened after that, like Garcelle, you know, defending Sutton and this whole discussion about Sutton being a liability and the things that Sutton says are wrong. Like if I, I think Sutton absolutely did the right thing to let the right people get thrown under the bus. The other thing is we saw that on the way to this wine tasting, she was on the phone with Crystal and she was, she told Crystal, I'll tell you everything that happens. And she was just going to have Crystal's back. Like Sutton 
I think Sutton really does not want to have any more issues with Crystal. She is worried she's going to say the wrong thing. And I think she saw an opportunity where these girls were going to dig themselves a grave. And she was like, you know what? This one, I'm going to let them fall in. But I think one of the interesting things for me as well, just on that, is that I want to know how what they're doing is any different than like when Garcelle talks about um, Erica having a drinking problem. You know, the way Kyle and stuff talks about it, it's like th- this is the thing about the Fox 4, whatever they're called, Fox Force 5, is they are the biggest hypocrites. There is one set of rules for them and a whole set of different rules for others. And that's what I wish they, that's what I wish Garcelle had said when they said, we don't understand, like, why you just always stick up for, for Sutton in that way. I think Garcelle was trying to get Erica to say it, which I, I like, I obviously don't think is going to be successful. But what Garcelle wants Erica to say is basically, and Erica kind of did say it, is Sutton is unpredictable. And what that means is that Sutton will go against the narrative that the Fox Force 5 are trying to, you know, spit out, that Sutton is going to be the one that's going to turn around and be like, you know, Erica, you did X, Y, and Z. Rina, you you did X, Y, and Z as well. And they don't like that. And that's why she's unpredictable and they don't, they can't have that. And that's why now they're trying to pit Garcelle against Sutton and do this whole, oh, but that's why Cherie is so good because Cherie is like not involved and she's not unpredictable. But didn't you think it was interesting that Dorit, I don't know if she was acting, but Dorit had no idea and Dorit was like, what do you think Erica meant by Sutton, uh, you know, saying by, by saying that about Sutton? I think there is, I think Erica, though, is walking a really fine line. I think it was really fascinating this episode, you know, she actively chose not to drink alcohol. Okay, we get it. Good for her. Um, uh, well, well. <laughs> until she was drinking, until she was drinking alcohol. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I like totally wasn't paying that. Well, she was trying the Rina Rosé. Like, oh, but she had the chamomile tea. Like that was like <laughs> that was a joke, basically, is what you're telling me. But um, I just thought, I just think that those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And I thought that you know one of the things that I that really pissed me off is that Erica acknowledged that she had had a that she had had a chat with Crystal about her eating disorder but she didn't acknowledge all the bullshit and horrible things that she said about Crystal and her eating. Like she said that Crystal hasn't been to have therapy about her eating disorder, but she didn't acknowledge all the horrible things she had said and done to Crystal at um, Diana's house. She didn't acknowledge that she's the reason why Crystal has to go into therapy. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. Like she didn't she she seems to have forgotten that side of things. But I also just think as well, like when you're dealing with your own issue at the moment, like please do not try and and shift, you know, shift focus onto somebody else's vulnerability. And I think it's interesting that their re- their reasoning why they feel so comfortable is because they're like, well, Crystal's always talking about it. Because it's Crystal's thing you can definitely have an opinion on it but don't be like therapizing and and these people are like the worst people in the world they should not be make trying to 
be the ethics or or have moral superiority over Crystal over this. Like it's so insane. I just I didn't I didn't like that whole discussion. No, I didn't like it either. Like Crystal was not there to be a part of it, and it's going to kick shit off again. And that's what yes, but it's, but the shit will hopefully you know the the it'll hopefully like not be focused all on Sutton, you know, because I think Crystal can take these other women on, but at the same time, I also think Crystal is super fragile at the moment which is once again why I'm like I love Crystal, but I just don't think she should be on the show. I think when you're going through stuff like this, because 100% the show has made it worse, her eating disorder, like 100%. Well, I mean, I mean, you say that like if you're going through something like this, but then it's sort of like even if it was the good times in her life, I think the show would then just trigger it again. You know what I mean? Like uh, perhaps being on a show like this is never going to be good for someone like Crystal. No, but you have two options. So if here's the thing. If you're going to be on a show, like a reality show, no, number one, nothing will ever stay a secret. And you have to go on there with the mindset, okay, there are only two ways, there are only two ways that this is going to go. It's my eating disorder, whatever it is, is going to be worse. And so I have to figure out, I have to then say, I have this platform. I'm going to use it for good. I'm going to be an agent of change and I'm going to, you know, get help and seek help and do all these things. But Crystal isn't going in that way. And we've seen this other method before, you know, most recently with Jackie on New Jersey. So it's just, it's one of those things where I'm just like, who is guiding Crystal here? This is not fun. Mm-hmm. Mush, is there anything else? That caught your eye this week on Beverly Hills. Um, not not that caught my eye. No. Well, then let's talk Dubai. Were there things on Dubai that caught your eye? Did not mean for that to rhyme. <laughs> You're a poet, and you didn't know it. And I knew I was. Look, it's episode eight of a question mark amount of season episodes. Did this episode not feel like it could have been a really great last episode? <laughs> You've been saying that about every episode. Exactly, Patrizio. Well, and this is my thing. My overall thought on this episode was confusion. Because the ladies are fighting and then they're good again. And then they're fighting and then they're all dancing together. Like, it's like, I don't understand what's going on anymore. Patrizio, let me break it down for you. Basically, the women are fighting but then dance hall comes. And much in the same way as Footloose, once you're allowed to dance again, all of your troubles melt away. Uh, Lisa Milan said it best, dance hall brings people together. And you know particularly what it is? It's the dirty wine. It's the like the wiggling of the hips. When you're wiggling your hips, you cannot stay mad. Hips don't lie. I, I I know it's hard for you to understand because you're not black, so that's why I thought I'd spell it out for you. <laughs> it's not just that, and this is this is the this is the one person that confuses me the most, Caroline Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because this is the main thing. The main feud, which is still ongoing, is Sarah versus Brooks, and the ladies go to the gold souk. And that's when we find out Chanel Yarn 
tells us books is coming. <laughs> Ethiopian dinner. And it kicks off at the Ethiopian dinner, which to be expected. I didn't think it was as juicy as what the like the the preview for next week was showing last week. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm starting to understand your train of thought around Sarah at the moment, that she's like trying to be someone that she's not. Um, and then we get these glimpses of who she truly is, like where she got up and she was like, Dropping the F word. Yeah, and then it was like, if, if you're going to go that way, like, I'll deal with you a different way too. Like, and unfortunately, Caroline Brooks took that as an invitation for Fight Club, um, which I don't think was what Sarah, I don't think Sarah wants to get physical, but I think she's willing to really, like, make the jabs, which she's probably holding back off a little bit at the moment. But I just, I just don't understand how, like, it can go from this Ethiopian dinner to this, like, beautiful moment between the two of them after the dance rehearsal. Like, and and Caroline Brooks at that rehearsal too is just so balanced. That's the other thing that really confuses me. Like, how to explain really what it is. Producers. Her producer has talked to her and has said, honey, I hate to tell you this, but there is no way of making you look good in these edits you're going to have to kumbaya this shit. Otherwise, you are going to alienate viewers and you are going to have no fans. She is coming out looking better. She is not going to give you your moment. Humble yourself. You think so? 100%. I, I'm really honest with you. I'm, I, I cannot stand Brooks. She is, and I agree with you, I don't like her personality. I think she's doing too much. I think it doesn't even matter how many layers of the onion get peeled back, you know, seeing Zorin, seeing her mom, seeing her friends. Yes, she's given us a lot, but she has an agenda to be this hyped up person. I don't like that, you know, she was driving through the streets and she was complaining about being in the ghetto. Like she thinks she is, if there's anybody who tries to have a superiority complex on this show, it's Brooks. Um, and I 100%, like, she literally went from 1,000 to zero. You don't just go from 1,000 to zero without a reason. I, I just, I also think Brooks is an incredibly selfish person, and I think she cares more about how she's perceived. You know, she wants to be, she's, she wants to be famous, like they all do, I guess, but she really wants to use this show, you know, to promote her spa, to do all of these things. So 100% a producer has been, like, girl here's the tape you know what I mean because you can't edit the way she is to to look better um did you see this week that she came out saying um because I think she's feuding with someone on the internet again um but she said that she was the first one that was cast for the Real Housewives of Dubai nobody believes that are you saying that because the, the people have responded saying they don't believe that or you're just saying I haven't seen this discussion. I'm telling you my thought. Nobody believes that. Uh, I mean, to me, it makes a bit of sense. In what way? I think in this sort of way that, like, clearly there was somebody who they sort of were like, 
we need to we need to anchor this cast of every of someone. And where we've been thinking it's Nina, like Caroline Brooks to me makes more sense that they kind of started from her and sort of like found the people that they wanted to cast around her. No. She here's my hot take. She does not have like I hate to say it, but she does not have like any thing behind her. She doesn't have a brand. At least the others, even Chanel, has like, you know, a, a really specific brand, which is why I think we can all overlook the fact that Chanel is obviously the forest and all, you know, doesn't have the glitzy. I think we 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 all know that underneath those giant gowns is a bit of lies. <laughs> Chanel Ayan is a model, like she is a supermodel. She was the first black supermodel. Like she has a really specific brand, right? Brooks is really confused. Brooks is trying to figure out who she is. Um, and, you know, Lisa Milan had her brand as well. Caroline Stanbury we knew from Ladies of London. Um, and I think the other women, like I think, like I can understand that that um, Brooks is a common a common piece. I don't necessarily, I do not believe that she was the first person cast though. I think it just, I think what happens is they find a group that, that they like. And if there is the genuine friendship, that's what's mo- most likely to happen. And, you know, if she were, I, I think though she does think of herself as a queen bee and that's the problem is that she doesn't have everything else that you need to be the queen bee. And to be honest with you, I think my issue with Dubai, I think the thing that is missing from Dubai is that it doesn't really have a clear, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a Bethany. It doesn't have a Kyle. It doesn't have like a Kenya Moore. It doesn't have a clear person who can carry the show on their own if needed to be. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think going into it, they probably did think it was going to be Carolyn Stanbury. Oh, I think there is, God, no. Well, that was a big mistake. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, I think that's what they thought going into it, that, like, she would be kind of, you know, it was going to be the Caroline Stanbury show and everyone else was just going to be paying for but and Yeah, I think they wanted us to believe that. There's no way they could have met, like, Chanel Ayan and thought that she would allow that to happen. But again, to use the term um, from Ebony K. Williams, force multiplier. I don't think Chanel Yarn is a force multiplier. No, I don't think she is either. But I just think she has so much personality. There is no way that she was always going to like outshine Caroline, though, or like you know, pull focus. I don't know. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree here. You don't don't know, no, so I like I think you do think the same way that I'm thinking. So I'm gonna explain it again. I think like um you're absolutely right that I think Caroline was positioned to be the HBIC, and that would work if Caroline had more personality. But when you put somebody on the show who has so much personality, it pulls focus. And Carol and the thing about Caroline as well is that she's never gonna fight for that attention. She like willingly becomes a wallflower in scenes. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, something, that's the, that's what I mean. It's like Caroline was never going to give any more. I actually feel like Caroline Stanbury 
actually wasn't even on the show today. I saw her dancing, so I can attest to the fact that she was. I mean, that was the only time. But when she was there in that scene, she could have just had been a friend of, like. 100%. Do you know who would be a really good housewife? Her daughter. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Her daughter was great. Okay, can we talk about, can we talk about the scene in Caroline and Sergio's bedroom where her daughter is there? And they're picking out their outfits for the dance hall night. Sergio and the wig. What about it? I just, all I could think of is what RuPaul says. Like the moment you get in drag, like your truest self comes out. The way he was like pulling up his shirt, he was doing a little dance. He was dirty whining as soon as he put the wig on. I just, you know what I feel bad about Sergio is that unfortunately we live in this world that like values toxic masculinity and that he's just like the antithesis to that. Like he's (laughs) not the antithesis to toxic masculinity. He's Twitter has shown us that. But like in... In the sense that he is the more, you know, in tune with his emotions, which, you know, we would stereotypically say of a woman rather than the man in the relationship. Okay, so that's not what I'm saying at all. My issue is that Sergio is the housewife on the show. He pulls the focus. He makes it all about him. Like... He shouldn't even be in that scene. It should just be her and her daughter. Do you know what I mean? But she's not compelling enough. She needs him. And there it is. And that's the thing. Sergio is the HBIC of of the the housewives. I mean, like, okay, let's talk about one of the things which I thought was really interesting in this episode was that, like, production is doing something a little bit different here where they do this whole, like, just married like cut scenes and they're asking them the questions right i i love that like i thought that was so interesting so different, different way to do a confessional just like fresh and all the rest of it right but again it's it's sergio and caroline well they're playing the newlywed game i know but I, also- I love that vignette of her sitting on his lap i'm obsessed with the way he looks in that scene, I loved his shaved hair. I love his entire outfit. I love that the camera is low so that, like, he he looks really elongated, right? Like, everything about that is very sexy to me. I love all of it. And I do think that Sergio is quite funny. My problem is just that he's on the show too much. That's it. That's my only issue. Um, can we talk about more really great production value? Yes, because there was a lot of it in this episode, I feel. Okay, what was your next favorite bit of production value? I I mean the 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 scene where all the women are getting ready for the dance event, right? Mm-hmm. My question is so uh, when do they film that? That's my question because I was like what well, when? They film it like days after at the end. Like that is like a studio thing. They've done it after the the day. That's what I was thinking too. But then I think it was Caroline Brooks was like dressed in her outfit. So then I was like, which one is it? Her outfit is a wig, Patricio. She just literally puts it on the wig stand and pulls it back out. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I just thought 
interesting, fascinating, never before seen. I'm into it. Well, it was, they were all on the exact same set because they had their real, They like, it's not like they all have identical oh. wardrobes. They had the same setup and then just changed the bags around on the back. And, and, and they turned the LED lights. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole scene. But that we've seen that done before and I, it was good to see it back down again. I like that side of it. I also really like the montage when they're like, at, after they've had their dance battle, where, and I, I don't know, battle, I use that term very loosely, but where they're all just dancing together and I like the slow-mo is odd and everybody's just, everybody jumps into the centre. I was like, oh, yes. Just that, this is my confusion. 24 hours earlier they were ready to kill each other and then they're all dancing in slow-mo together. But it's not 24 hours earlier. It was three weeks earlier. <laughs> not three weeks. Yeah, because she says after they do the dance class, she was like, I'll see you in three weeks at the party. I feel like it was much later. Um, what did you think about Lisa talking about, like, not coming for the appropriation with Sarah's afro and her outfit? I thought it felt right to me. <laughs> you know what I saw? When I saw Sarah, I thought Luann could never. Yeah, because Luann's not Mina. Correct. <laughs> Luann wishes she could do what Sarah did. What is it that Mina stands for? It's like Middle Eastern, non-Anglo. North African. Or North African. I'm like (laughs) non-Anglo. Yeah, because she is a brown person, actually, so it worked out well. But I actually thought Sarah looked really good. I was like, but I want to know, was that place an actual venue or was that a set? No, I reckon it was an actual venue. Okay, so it's like there's like this Jamaican-themed bar that's just popped up somewhere because the whole decor was like really riveting. I loved it. Well, on the back of you thinking that Sarah had a great outfit, I, I in the in the same vein as Lisa Milan handing out the awards at the end of the dance off, <laughs> I have some awards that I would like you to to give give out to the ladies. Oh, you want me? I thought you were going to already. I know how much you love like an award situation, so I thought you had the awards already picked out and ready to go. No, I want I want your opinion, Washi. I mean, I will also give my opinion, but I want to hear your. So, for Miss Best Dressed at the event, or, or, or even oh. overall, actually, no, let's just do overall. Miss overall Best in Dubai. Of these ladies, who's the Miss Best Dressed? Lisa Milan. Same! And 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 you thought I was going to say Chanel Ayan, didn't you? I think, okay, well, this is my reasoning why I didn't pick Chanel Ayan, is because Chanel Ayan's wardrobe is couture, and the everyday person cannot wear couture like Chanel Ayan does. So here's the other thing. It's not her wardrobe. It's... <laughs> No, no, no. And I don't mean that in a shady way. She acknowledges that. We see it on this episode today. She says the designer is not going to be happy. We know the designer that she's partnered with and that he's giving her the looks to wear, which is exactly what should be happening, especially for Couture, because, like, she is selling something. Like, she, she knows exactly what she's doing. And so she's not coming in her everyday outfits. Her everyday outfits would be jeans and a top. She is doing this for the show and good for her. 
Um, and but this is why I think my favorite fashion person is Lisa Milan because Lisa Milan just bodies every outfit that she wears. Do you know what I mean? She can come in like mom, mom chic and look fucking fabulous. And um, yeah, I just think that her day to day outfits are phenomenal. She just, it's so put together. I think she has some of the best confessional looks. Yeah. The pink one. That pink we one. Oh. And her hair. I, I just think also she has the best wigs. So Correct. I'll agree with that. Okay. So that's Miss Best Dress. What about uh, Miss Doing the Most? Looks. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Chanel Ayan. No. I, again, another potential winner for this, perhaps the first runner-up. But I, I think Chanel Ayan, what I liked in this episode was that she did try to bring the girls together. Um, and I think that she started out really strong. Like, remember when she they had that first... Started like, out too much. Correct. But she's really managed to sort of, like, find her groove. And I think she's willing to sort of, like, shake off the the drama that, like, you know, Caroline Stanbury... Like, the way she would have dealt with Caroline Stanbury at her, like, engagement party, had she been doing the same thing that she did at the start of the season, it would have ended very poorly. And once again, I think that's because somebody had a chat with her and said, don't be that person, stand out with your outfits instead. And I I will say, though, her confessionals are phenomenal. I, in this specific episode, I laughed out loud so many times from the things that Chanel Ayan said. Like, I didn't even write them down. But I I do genuinely think that she is a comedian. Like she is genuinely funny. And yeah. the dancing, don't even get me started. I think you're right. Like production has clearly had a discussion with Brooks after what you've said today, but they've also had that same discussion with Ayan being like, you have star power. You don't need to be doing all of that Perfect. to be the to be the main housewife in this show. Correct. You don't need to be causing the drama on the show. They will, I reckon her producer was almost just like somebody else will do that. And Brooks did. Um, I think Chanel, they were just like, you are so funny. You are so beautiful. Play that up. Like just be a model in every single scene. Just do that. And that's smart. All right, what about the award for Miss One Season Wonder? Yeah. Ooh. She's not coming back on her own volition. She is not coming back. Wow, that was not the name. That That's not I even I was going to say Brooks. Two. Do you think I was going to say Brooks? Well, I mean, look, what were you going to say is perhaps different to the question in my head, which was like, what would I have said? I think it could be Caroline Stanbury. No, she'll do it because she's got nothing else to do. Trust me. My runner-up would have been Nina. I think Nina will be back once again because Nina also has nothing else going on. Can I tell you something I really loved about Nina? When Nina went to the dance studio and she was wearing her cap like she wore her urban outfit and she brought her joint (laughs) stickers, I was like, that's my girl. But (laughs) Her face, Nina's face is so beautiful. 
Like I can't describe, like just seeing her in the cap, like as an around the way girl without like the flowy dresses. I don't know for whatever reason, just looking at the way her face looks with those curls under that cap. I was like, she's a stunning woman, just stunning, very natural beauty. Just thought I'd share that with you, but she looked younger as well. All right, so then the other the other side of this award then is Miss MVP. Is Ion. Yeah, without a doubt. She yeah. is just the perfect balance, I think, of everything at the moment. Yeah, it's really weird for me because I'm like, Chanel Ion is so funny and I'm like, but I don't know if you could put that funniness in any other. Do you know, like, the only other time that I could see her doing like being that funny is if she was like the host of like a late night show or a talk show if that makes any sense like not a view like she needs her own show you know like at night with Ayan I think she'd be funny in that way I I don't know I think I think that would be a little almost a little bit too like structured like I think she's funny because she's just given these moments to just do whatever she like you don't think any of her jokes are pre-rehearsed or written some of them have to be no I I think she just she just comes up with it I I think like she needs to be on like a Seinfeld it needs to be a show about nothing and just let her say and do whatever she wants no but the only way that works is if she's able to react off other people and that's why I was like I'm like you can't put it in a sketch it won't work because she doesn't half of what makes her so funny is that she doesn't understand anything um but that's why I feel like her having a conversation like interviewing someone you know, they would come out, she would give them a goat. They would have them. A goat. You know, do you know what I mean? She'd give them some ridiculous gift. Like that would be part of it. And then she would just ask them like the questions that nobody else wants to ask and they would just answer them. And I mean like almost like a Z-way, but like less uncomfortable, but for a different reason. And I just see it as being like a half hour late night just on streaming show. Like, we're all watching it. Now that you've said Z-Way, like, okay, can, I can see. I would also listen to the Chanel Ayan podcast. Podcast. Okay, thank you. That's it. But the only thing is if we get just the podcast, we don't get to see her. And part of it is that she's, you just, she's gorgeous. You need well, I to think look. Podcasts are moving in the direction of basically having some sort of video element to it anyway. So, it's not allowed to be called a podcast well whatever it would be Chanel Ayan would be the the first black supermodel in Dubai doing that 100% and you know what it would be a talk show that's what you call a podcast that is a video um and on that note well I have one last question for you so they filmed the reunion uh in New York last week I think it was now and social media is telling me is giving me a sign that Lisa Milan and Chanel Ayan are on an island on their own yes 100% how what do you think of this the aftermath of the reunion well number one I think the seats that we predicted last week are probably correct I think it's what happens every time. It's that people have had a chance to rewatch. Old issues have been rehashed, resurfaced. 
I think that Brooks is Brooks is spineless. I think she's just aligning herself with what she thinks is the better team. And at the end of the day, Lisa Milan and Chanel Ayan don't need anybody else. They can hold their own. Like it does take four of them to be anywhere near as good as the two of them. I I just worry at the same time that I'm like, I really don't want Lisa and Chanel Ayan to be on this island on their own. And, and look, how could they not be asked back for another season? But I just, I worry, you know, like Andy, I don't want them to be in that. No, 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 no. Don't worry. If there's anyone who Andy is a fan of, it's, it's Chanel Ayan. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, I just, I'm starting to think that we might not even get a second season of Dubai. I think Dubai might be a one season wonder. A one and done. Mm. Wow. I think it just could be. I just don't think that it's it's getting the viewers as much as they thought it would. So, you know, we might go straight to Peacock. Whew. On on that note, Washi. But- Mark it in the calendar for when we have to roll back the tape and when we find out if Dubai is renewed or cancelled, honey. Paused. Oh, not put on pause. <laughs> All right. Well, that does bring us to the, to the end of another episode of From the Lower Level. We will be possibly back next week. <laughs> like... Um, Patrizio will not be with us next week. I might decide to return and, and show because yes, I'll be with you. It's <laughs> I am dead. Um, but as always, please rate, review, subscribe, five stars. Tell all your friends, everybody who loves housewives. Follow us on Instagram. You're alive, Patrizio. Calm down. <laughs> At from the lower level pod. Um, yeah, we like to as always curate the best selection of housewife i don't know posts propaganda moshi i'm proud of us because the instagram i don't want to toot our own horn here too much but we are killing it literally haven't posted anything in the last 24 hours i'm I'm gonna change that right now i gotta go moshi i'll see you next time bye